Welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life podcast with Dr. Peter Bernstein and I'm Jenny Stevenson. And believe it or not, this is episode 112. And today we want to give you a little bit of continuity. It's been a little while since our last podcast, but for us, um, we're still working through some of the very much the same issues uh, as we were last time. Well, we were further along and we're helping a lot more people with it, I know that. But I was asked Steve, our producer, to, and he's telling me they're on other YouTube to flash a picture, a beautiful picture of my wife, who's passed away, and it's, it's uh, since April 12th, so it's uh, almost, what, seven? Almost two months. Almost two months it's gone by so fast. Yeah. But it's been a great, it's had a great, her life has had a great impact on so many people in our community, and so many people have loved her. and. Uh, those that have worked closely with her in the last four and a half years have just loved her so much. And the grief is pretty intense. Yeah. Um, so many people that work here are grieving. And certainly, I, I am the love, she was the love of my life. So you can imagine um, what it's, how it's impacted me. The amazing thing that I do want to talk about today is from where I was last time to now, is a little different in the sense of realizing that life goes on um, and sometimes when the grief comes over me it's strong but what I notice is I get through the emotion of it and then it's almost like taking an emotional bath and picking up and knowing life goes on and I've got to move on too and I know the p grief and pain will come on again later I, I know it I don't have, to, I don't have to expect it. It just is the truth, and not saying that I welcome it because it's probably the hardest, most difficult emotional experience that I've ever had in my life, particularly with, with my wife. But um, we've done a lot of, uh, we've gotten a lot of information from, particularly from hospice. Very wonderful information. Valuable, helpful. On bereavement, on, on certain things that are pretty standard in life but most of us don't talk about it we've we've mentioned this so many times in our shows before but one of the things that i've also been reading and i see it in new york times editorials every day is how many people are have been caregivers how much is uh, how many people have been dealing with death and dying particularly in the last 14 months the numbers are phenomenally large and the grief experience and the after effects is so pervasive what knocks me out is the numbers are so large and yet I don't hear a lot of engagement with it I know people engage with me because they feel very comfortable to do that in the community and I'm usually pretty open about it um, but to know that there's been so much death and dying and caregiving is phenomenal there's a statistic that's come out, and I want to kind of try to incorporate some, some information that we, we've had on caregiving, which we have taken as Lynn's legacy, we call it, and realizing we have learned to, if, if the word is perfect, I don't want to use it that way, but we know how to put caregiving teams together that are, they just warm my heart, they're incredible. Um, the people that do it, the work they do, is, is as Maritha, our Fijian angel, calls it, it's a, it's a very high calling in life to do. I believe it, I know it, 
and I know what people go through, to realize that today, 53 million people are caregivers. That's over 20% of our population, and it's growing. Since, I think since 2015, it's grown another from, okay, 53 million, it was 45 million, or 43 million in 2015. It, the numbers are just growing. And there have been so many people that have been impacted by dealing with death and dying of loved ones and, I, and folks that care about, just I mean, as we have. I know part of that growth uh, in numbers had to do with people who wanted to bring home a loved one uh, during COVID uh, because they wanted to be able to be with them and the, the places where people were in uh, senior living situations were closing so that no access from visitors was going to be allowed and people brought them home and tried to care for them at home. That was part of it. That is part of it. I think that there's another thing that's changed. In the past when you dealt with those that were elderly or those that had early onset dementia or whatever, we hear so many times that people go to put them in boarding care or put them in, in, in memory care facilities. After this last crisis, that's going to change. Because I think people realize that 40% of COVID-19 spread from um, contact in these facilities. In those kind of facilities. So I think people are really rethinking about that and considering now much more strongly taking care of their loved ones at home which I personally believe that that's the better way to go. That, I absolutely do. That was part of the goal of our program, or not our program, but just how we went about learning how to care for Lynn in a way that would allow her to be at home and would um, help make sure that her caregivers didn't end up uh, becoming overburdened with the different stresses that go along with caregiving. And that's quite a challenge. It is. That is really a challenge that now that COVID-19 is winding down and people are coming out more, what you're seeing is the incredible effect that it's had on them. And caregivers suffer. Um, even the pros, that I know wonderful hospice nurses that I adore, they're the gifted ones that I know. They're, they have physical ailments that begin to happen or their, their, their physical structures break down. We've witnessed it in our teams, um, but, we, but we put such an emphasis on caring for each other and making sure everything, everybody was getting taken care, taken care of themselves. That was a very different emphasis and we felt it was so important because the people that do the work are so precious. Right. We've seen people gain a lot of weight and get out of shape. I lost 16 pounds. Jenny stayed beautiful, I don't get it. She was in charge of everything. I had no clue. <laughs> I think she thrived. Honestly, I have no clue why, <laughs> because she worked like, a, as my mother, my old Jewish mother said, she worked like a dog. Well, part of the clue, and it is part of the caregiving picture, even with all of the stresses, is the fulfillment that comes from it. And mm. the, the rewards that come from it, not necessarily in terms of the person you're caring for being able to give back to you, mm -hmm. but just the feeling that this is such a valuable, important thing to be doing, and I think that's another thing. You mentioned things that you don't hear about out and around, and I no. think uh, not everyone sees caregiving for an elderly relative or disabled Somebody relative said, yeah. as something to be embraced. You know, it's funny, you're bringing this up, but every day 
now that I read the New York Times editorials, but those issues are, are being brought out. And it, there's a crossover between the value that comes out of dealing with a loved one who's passed away when you're, and, and working with that, and dealing with the bereavement and the grief that goes with that. And what you're talking about, the kind of fulfillment that comes from dealing with people that they're, they're dying, they're sick, you're at their side every day. And they can't really give back. So the act of caregiving for someone who's sick or dying, um, you can't expect anything back. And yet, what we've discovered, if your motivations are clear and clean and straight, is it is the most fulfilling work to do. It's, it's, as Maritha says, it is a very high calling. I agree with her. Maritha used to be a teacher mm -hmm. for 28 years. She is a pro. And she will be in, she'll be in charge of our Fijian caregiving teams, but she's right. And we, you come away from it absolutely feeling the, 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 the distress of what we've been through. Nothing negates that. But behind it all and underneath it all is a deeper sense of fulfillment and purpose and meaning to your lives. Every one of our caregiving team members has expressed that in their own ways of how much this means. Not just the love for them. But what it's meant to them as people, what it's, what it's done for them. It's become such a healing experience, and yet it's been, it's extremely distressing and stressful. So I read about it, it's not, we're not the only ones talking about it, and it is the truth. Can grieving and losing a loved one, um, bereavement is what they call it, could that also do the same kind of thing? The answer is absolutely. It changes your life, and it's, it, it, it can promote a, a, a different outlook on life, an appreciation, a gratitude. It's, a, it's an amazing experience because through the darkness, through the clouds of pain and, and, and the grief and loss, seems to be some kind of sunlight shining through of showing you a new way of life, looking at life differently. And... Um, People can and do grow and change when, they have to, when they're dealing with a loved one that they've lost. Death and dying is quite an education, and it's not all bad, although the pain of it is... I don't think there's anything more painful in our businesses to deal with people's pain and trauma. I don't think there's anything worse. You've but, also mentioned that grieving is also a healing experience. It can be. And it, and it needs to be, and we want to, I'm glad you brought that up, because one of the things we've also run into, because we do help a lot of other people that are grieving. Uh, I know that's presumptuous on my part, I'm grieving and I'm helping a lot of other people, but it's true. And I can put mine on, on the, uh, to the side while I'm helping others, and then later I deal with my own, that's the truth. But um, what was there? So, the grief is a healing experience. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the thing we've seen, though, in some people, and I haven't seen this in the past, too, is some people don't allow themselves to grieve. And they find a way to remove themselves, whether it's conscious or unconsciously. And it's not a good, it's not good. And yet, initially, many times, people do go numb just from shock. I mean, that's not that abnormal. But we're talking about unresolved grief. And people who don't allow themselves to grieve do not heal. Grieving, active grieving, is a healing process. 
not easy, but yet you can get through it in time. And you will heal. It doesn't mean the scar will go away and disappear. It will always be there. Um, there's an analogy in one of the pieces from hospice, and they talk about scars. And uh, one lady who was writing about this said she had a scar in her leg from something that happened to her when she was 12 years old. And that certainly healed a long time ago. But when she touches that scar, she knows that it's, it's, it's a different texture, it's a different feel than the rest of her body and her skin. I'll tell you what, the scars of grieving are the same way. As you go through it over years and, and even months, what you'll find is that the scar will begin to take place. It's like healing from the inside out. But when it's touched or stimulated, it'll always be there. And it will, you'll always feel it. And it will be a different part of your life, a very important part of your life. So we believe in that. It's what makes you who you are. And it shows how much you care and how much you've been impacted by folks that you've loved and had to let go of. I think one thing we could add that I don't think we've mentioned before is that it's never too late to grieve for someone, even if you have stopped yourself in some ways, and I'll say that I had done that. Um, when you start to grieve for one person, old griefs come up. And you have a chance to, maybe you did grieve for someone uh, in the past and it's time to do a little bit more. Anyway. Other times if you, like I did, prevented myself from grieving for some family members, Lynn's death has given me the opportunity to take a look and work through some of the things that I really blocked. And there's a value, it's painful, complicated grief but there's a real value to it. You know, I really appreciate you sharing that because I know the pain that you're in and I know you're not alone. There's other people that work with Lynn and it was their opportunity to heal their unresolved grief too and very painful because not only do you have to deal with the pain of losing a beloved and Lynn was so loved and, and had such a wonderful impact, um, insp inspiring impact, but it also has brought people's unresolved issues and grief and unfinished business about others, that complicates the experience and makes it even more painful. And yet, it can lead to healing when it comes up, as hard as it is, mm -hmm. if you allow yourself to admit it and to come to grips with it. A lot of folks I've also seen, they don't want to believe that they did that. Oh, no, I... I finished that. I, I finished that. that. Or, oh, no, I, I went to see her three or four times or whatever. And they don't realize how incomplete a statement that is, and they don't understand that that's actually a form of denial. Um, because real grief, grief is so consuming. And to admit it to ourselves, and then to allow ourselves to surrender to the experience will help us not only resolve in time the grief in the present, but also heal from the grief of the past. And the regrets. And the regrets. And the remorse. I mean. There's something to that for everyone who didn't allow themselves to grieve. They have deep regrets, and they affect people's lives. We've seen it. Mm -hmm. Some of our caregivers have been oh, the phenomenal inspirations, but this gave them a chance to resolve more of their oh, their reluctance um, and their 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 in the past their unwillingness to allow themselves to admit. Mm -hmm that these people that passed away, that were, they may have been mad at them, they may have been hurt by them, yeah. but 
they held on to things, and I know it's it's. I, I'll share something very not in depth, but Lynn and I both had lives before we met each other, and we came to our relationship both needing healing. We were two wounded people, and that's folks. That's forty-seven years ago, but we did come as wounded people, and we did have lives before we met each other. Well, you know, it's an interesting thing because I went back to some of those folks about Lynn, some of her past family, and the responses I got were, they jolted me because these folks live in a denial and they never got to know their mother as the most incredible woman I've ever known and almost anybody who knows her knows that. But in her previous life, I don't believe that was the truth. Mm. By that time, we got together I was the beneficiary of a different woman. She became an incredible mother to our son, Micah. Um, she did a lot of things differently. She finally found what was important in life and she devoted herself to it. And she grew phenomenally. She overcame so much. But the people that I talked to about it, they, are, they live in denial. They didn't want to hear a thing about it. And I think one of them told her son, oh, she's not our mother anymore. We, we've given, we've let her go. And that bitterness is so deadly. It didn't change Lynn's life much one way or the other, although she reached out to them in early times. But they have to live with that destructiveness. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're, That's, not, that they're not grieving. And they're not grieving, and you know what? Know. It affects them. It's very destructive. Yeah. And I know Lynn at one point had reached out to them just about begging them that it's going to hurt them and let's come together. They never did. But you know what's interesting? Many people are like that. Mm -hmm. Later on, though, the regret and remorse of doing that is deadly and very painful. Yeah. I know that um, Jenny has a, uh, an angel of a husband, and he carries some of that uh, very painfully, and he admitted it and um, humbly embraced it and reached out phenomenally. What a, he showed us was real strength. In fact, he's going up for the, what they call it in Yiddish, the unveiling, because, so he's going to bury his brother's ashes tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going Jenny, up. Yeah, they're going up. Very painful for him. But this is a man that before, and Jenny did this too with her family member, before they passed away, they, they went with their remorse and regret in their hat, hat in hand and sought reconciliation and forgiveness. And it was so healing and so important. So we encourage that with people. We don't always succeed. I wish we did, but I really, if I could encourage anything today, it's take it on, don't let it destroy you, and don't live a personal lie about it. If you have remorse or regret or bitterness or anger or unfinished business, find a way to resolve it and heal it. Write about it. Put it down on paper. Put everything down and make it personal. It's just for you. And put the truth down and look at it clearly and closely. And when you're done with it, burn it. You don't have to show it to anybody, but it's for you. It's another way of coming to, to grips with your loss. But we have seen so many variations. I was just going to say that your timing is perfect because we are pretty much out of time. And so you were saying that this is the point you wanted people to take with them today. I do. I do. And I'm not denying pain. I'm not saying that it's, I know ours isn't resolved and it's going to take a long time, but I know we're functional and I know we're moving forward. But we've also seen a lot of important things happen and be revealed during this time that's teaching all of us 
the, the, uh, what's really important in life. I want to convey that today. I know this is a heavy subject. I'd love to be entertaining and uplifting, but I certainly can be encouraging and hopeful to you. Yes. Just follow some of my directives, please, for your own sake. Anyway, I hope this helps today, and we're going to have more podcasts. I want to wish Jenny a, a good trip tomorrow. They're leaving tonight Thank you. for the um, burial of the ashes tomorrow. Yep. And I know it means a lot to her husband um, because he's his brother mm -hmm. and who he grew to love and to go, go close to before he passed away. And Jenny's had plenty of these other experiences as well, and they are so precious. Yeah. So I wish you well, our, our love and, and caring for both of you. Go with it Thank you. Uh, and come home. And then you can decompress it. Right. Anyway, right. all I love to all of you today. Good to talk to you again, to be honest with you. I look forward to more of these. Stay well and keep keep the faith. Take care. Bye-bye. The Survivor's Guide to Life podcast is brought to you by Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment, a 501c3 charity. Uh, if we have provided something of value to you, and we hope we have, please consider donating to them to help them keep us on the air. Our website is thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. Our podcasts are on all the outlets, and we have our own YouTube channel. Uh, you can reach Peter and I at 707-781-3335 or Jenny at BernsteinInstitute.com. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions or feedback, please get in touch. And we wish you well, and hope you'll join us again next time. All our best. <laughs>